0: Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns, your true crime paranormal podcast with me, Blake Lambert-Hack. Tonight's episode, I will be getting into the mysterious disappearance of the hoita one of the more popular maritime unsolved mysteries. You know, I love an orphan story, I love a nun story, and I love a ghost ship. I almost did a full season of ghost ships but it kind of fell through the cracks so I'm gonna tell you this story because I am very fascinated by this story and it is a popular one but also you know it's the holidays it's Christmas I'm going out of town so the next episode will probably also be an unreleased episode I did with the musician Tyre. Uh, the one who made the theme song you just listened to. So I will be re-releasing that episode next time. But for now, I'm going to give you this new maritime ghost ship story. I love Titanic. I love Poseidon. They're some of my favorite movies. I love an unsolved mystery, especially when it comes to something as huge as a ship going missing with tons of people on board. But before I jump in, I just wanted to say once again, happy holidays. It is Christmas in a few days, and I hope you all have a wonderful holiday weekend, either with family, chosen family. Even if you're alone, take time for yourself. Just have a nice, relaxing, wonderful break, because everyone deserves it. So with that being said, let's jump in to the disappearance of the Hoita. At 5 a.m. on October 3rd, 1955, the Hoita, a wooden fishing boat, left the harbor at Apia, Western Samoa. Its route was at most a two-day trip to Fakaofo of the Toka'alau Islands. So, Yohita was to cruise 300 miles with 25 people aboard from Samoa to Tokelau. However, she never made it to her destination, and an extensive search was launched by the Royal New Zealand Air Force, but they failed to find any sign of the Hoita or its crew and passengers. The trip was a routine voyage for the Hoita and its captain. So the missing boat became extremely concerning for everyone on both islands. Now it's time for geography lessons with Blake Lambert Hack. For those who don't know the Pacific Ocean like that, picture Australia. And for the longest time, I don't know why, I thought New Zealand was like north of Australia, but New Zealand is southeast of Australia. So, if we travel down to New Zealand, just north east of New Zealand is Fiji. And then northeast of Fiji is Samoa, and then north of Samoa is Tokelau, the islands of Tokelau. So, if you look at a map, cuz if you can't picture in your head, it's better just look at a map. The Tokelau Islands are like almost halfway between New Zealand and Hawaii. It's like almost in the middle. Draw like a diagonal line between the two, New Zealand and Hawaii. So if you're in the Pacific Ocean, there's a bunch of little islands everywhere. I would love to visit Fiji one day. Samoa looks gorgeous. They all look so beautiful. I would love to go. I've never been to Hawaii. I might go this year. I don't know, but... just want to be someplace tropical I just want to be warm not to say New York City isn't warm right now it is the middle of December and it was 60 degrees today I was wearing a winter coat but like I was hot so obviously global warming and all that jazz but this was the same way as it was last year like we haven't had any snow yet I'm not complaining because I'm tired of being cold, but it's just a little surprising. So it is warm. 60 degrees is warm in December, but regardless of how cold or warm it is in New York City, it still would be nice to go to a tropical island in the Pacific. But anyway, that's where this whole story takes place. Somewhere between Samoa and Toka in the pacific ocean but before i get into the disappearance i want to take y'all back to the birth of the wo- of the wooden boat because uh, she has a chilling beginning so the yohita was a 69 foot wooden ship built in 1931 as a luxury yacht for the actor and director roland west who is living in L.A. with his wife, Jewel Carmen. If you don't know who Roland West is, it's because he made like 14 movies and maybe one of them was successful. That sounds mean, but I don't know, maybe a couple were successful, but I had never heard of any of these movies. Obviously, they're early 1900s, so they're not, you know, in the zeitgeist today, but Roland West and Jewel Carmen were living in LA and they purchased this luxury yacht and Jojita means little jewel in Spanish and you know Jewel Carmen naming a boat after your wife it's cute I think Jojita is a really cute name for a boat but If he named the ship Jewel, it would have been a little too on the nose. So Huita is like a nice twist to the, you know, stereotypical boat named after a wife situation. However, at this time, when he purchased Huita, Roland West wasn't only married, but he was seeing another actress on the side and her nickname in Hollywood was Hot Toddy named by the press, which I'm obsessed with. Hot Toddy is its an amazing nickname, an amazing press name. She was also called the Ice Cream Blonde. I like both nicknames, but I'm just personally jealous of Hot Toddy. Hot Toddy. You can just picture the 30s, what they were all wearing back then, or even the 20s and stuff, like the flapper dresses and the finger waves. She comes on screen and it's Hot Taddy. It's because her name was Thelma Todd. So, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm like shimmying like I'm in a flapper dress right now. Hot toddy. But they were having an, a, a public affair. Hot Taddy and Roland West. And, you know, Jewel Carmen was well aware of the affair going on. Not saying she was okay with it but she knew. Everybody knew. And everybody knew because Roland made Thelma the star of his new movie, Corsair, which, funny enough, is about a stockbroker planning to liven up his boring life by taking up piracy on the high seas. The movie was a flop. Like I said earlier, a lot of his movies weren't crazy successful. So because of this flop, Roland retired from the movie industry and opened up a restaurant with Thelma on Santa Monica Beach called Thelma Todd's Sidewalk Cafe. Now, by the time the restaurant was purchased, Roland and his first wife, Jewel, were divorced. He essentially bought a yacht for his first wife because he was cheating and named it after her. And for his potential second wife, he buys a restaurant and names it after her. Like, red flags. It, you know, this man is obviously sleazy as fuck. So, when a man is purchasing you big gifts like this and then naming them after you, something's up. Keep a lookout, ladies. Keep a lookout. Don't trust men. Now, the only reason I'm getting into the details of this man's life is because on December or in December nineteen thirty five, Thelma Todd was found slumped over the steering wheel of her car with the engine still running. She was only twenty nine years old. Authorities claimed her death was an accident, quote, accidental carbon monoxide poisoning, unquote. Because she was in the garage and the car car was running and she died. However, there's a lot of suspicion going on in this case. Thelma was found wearing a mauve and silver gown, mink wrap, and expensive jewelry in her chocolate-colored Lincoln Phaeton convertible. And again, it was inside the garage of Jewel Carmen. So Hot Toddy is dead in the garage of her current lover's ex-wife. Suspicious. Suspicious. And if you don't know what a Lincoln Phaeton is, it's those old-timey cars, like, long with the wheels on the side. But think, like, like, a nice chocolate brown color. It's really sexy. I like it a lot. But... Thelma was a successful actress with 120 credits by 29 years old. And when her body was found, none of her personal belongings were missing. So robbery was ruled out. And then they eventually ruled suicide out. I don't know why they ruled that out, but they did. But there also wasn't enough evidence to convict anybody. So it was generally ruled an accident since Thelma and Roland got into an argument that night, leading Roland to lock her out of his house. So Thelma didn't have anywhere to go. So the police believe she went to her car for warmth, where she accidentally died from the poisoning. Like she turned the car on to stay warm in December and she died. But her car being parked in her lover's ex's garage is suspicious. I'm not saying Jewel had anything to do with it. I just think it's sus. Thelma's ex-husband was a director, and he was involved with the mob, and Thelma and her ex got into an argument the night before. So Thelma's going to... Into arguments with every man she's sleeping with or has slept with. And once again, men are proving that they're trash. Roland was known to have a temper. So maybe he had something to do with it, especially since after Thelma's death, he withdrew from the public eye. And that could also just be because he got a divorce and his girlfriend died. So he's, you know, grieving and wants to stay out of the public eye. But also could be because. He had something to do with her death. We don't know. We'll never know, unfortunately. But either way, it's hard to believe that Thelma suffocated from carbon monoc- monoxide poisoning in a garage in a convertible without help. But we're going to go back to the Hoita Because of the divorce and death, Roland sold Hoita to Milton Beacon, who enjoyed sailing between Mexico and San Francisco. Nothing really significant happened to the ship until October 1941, just before the attack on Pearl Harbor. Everything I've read says that the United States Navy acquired Hoita as a patrol boat. I don't know what acquired means. I'm curious how they acquired her did they see her cruising through the ocean and thought she'd make a great addition to the navy did they put a call out to anyone who owned a boat was there a draft for boats in the war like i just i'm curious so if you have any answers email me at haunted hometowns podcast at gmail.com but i understand the navy needed boats but Hoita was a 69 foot wooden Yacht from the 30s. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, your number one attack vessel in World War II. Regardless, the Navy used Ho'ita to patrol the big island of Hawaii until the end of the war. And because the attack on Pearl Harbor happened on Honolulu, Huita didn't see any combat, even though she was outfitted for some battle. I don't know what she was outfitted with. I don't know if they put a good machine gun on the front of the boat or what the deal was, but she never actually saw battle. Thank God. I don't think she would have survived. However, in 1943, she did run aground and uh, she was damaged. But the Navy was desperate for ships, so they repaired her, she got a facelift, and by the end of the war, she wasn't the best of ships because of her age and damage, her, her scars. So the Navy removed the war equipment and sold her to the firm of Lewis Brothers. The brothers added a cork lining to the hull, along with refrigeration equipment she was outfitted with two diesel engines and the ship passed through a couple different hands until it fell to dr catherine luomala in 1952 she was a professor at the university of hawaii she eventually lent the ship to a friend living in samoa captain thomas miller and Captain Thomas Miller used Hoita as a trading and fishing boat. So at this point, Hoita she's seen the world. She's lived in LA. She's lived in San Francisco. She's lived in Mexico. She's lived in the Pacific Ocean. She's lived in Samoa. She's, oh, she's lived in Hawaii. She lived all over the place. She's had so many jobs. I feel for her. Hoita, she she needs a break. We need her to retire. But she doesn't, not quite yet. This, after, you know, the war, after her trading and fishing job, this brings us to 1955 and the voyage from Apia Samoa to Tokolau Islands, where Hoita was scheduled to leave around noon However, it was delayed because her port engine clutch failed. So instead of fixing the one engine that was having those clutch, clutch issues, the captain decided to proceed with the voyage on just one engine. I think the idea was that it wasn't that far. They weren't traveling crazy far. And also he had made the trip so many times that he was like, I only need one engine anyway. So they decided to... Go on with the trip, as planned. Hoita carried 16 crew members and 9 passengers, including a government official, a physician, radio operator, two dispensers working at hospitals in the area, a wife of one of the dispensers, and their two children. The physician was headed to the island to perform an amputation Which is one of the reasons why I could never live in such a remote part of the world. If I need an amputation to save my arm or my life, and I have to wait a minimum of two days? No. Could not be me. I need convenience. I need to roll up to a hospital within 20 minutes to get my toe amputated. You know? If that's what it takes, do it now. But not living on an island and the closest person that can perform said operation is a two-day boat trip through the ocean? No. No, no, no. No. I recently had food poisoning for the first time, and without having a pharmacy and a 24-hour grocery store around the corner, I don't know what I would have done. I would not have made it. Anyway, the voyage was supposed to take between 41 to 48 hours, but as I mentioned, the ship never arrived to Tokolau. No ship or land-based operator received a distress call from the Huita, and for six days straight, around 100,000 square miles were searched, and nothing was discovered. Spooky. Spooky, spooky. Ships going missing in the Pacific. However, five weeks, five weeks after Huita's disappearance, on November 10th, Captain Gerald Douglas of the ship Tuvalu sighted Huita on their way from Suava to Funafuti, Hojita was approximately 600 miles west from her route. She was partially submerged and heavily listing, which means a vessel that's taking on water and tilts to one side. When Captain Gerald Douglas approached Hojita, they discovered no crew or passengers on board, four tons of cargo was missing, And the radio was turned to 2182 kilohertz, which is the International Marine Radio Telephone Distress Channel. So even though there was no distress call from the Huita, the channel was turned to that channel, the distress channel, which is odd. Also... Like I mentioned earlier, Samoa to Tokelau, I think it's like a three hundred mile boat ride, straight north. So to discover the ship six hundred miles west of the route is extremely strange as well. Now there was some damage to the bridge and deckhouse of the Hoita. There were some broken windows. The structure overall though had very little damage. And the ship was virtually unsinkable because of the cork lining that was added, you know, a few years earlier. Hoita carried a dinghy, like a small boat, and three life rafts, which they were the inflated inflatable life rafts all four the small boat and the three inflatable life rafts were all missing the ship was still operating on one engine and there was an auxiliary pump rigged in the engine room it was the auxiliary pump was mounted on a plank of wood between the engines but it was never connected to the engines they found that the radio was on the distress signal, but a break was found in the cable, and the cable, that area where the break was, it had been painted over, which obstructed the break in the cable. So, even though this stress signal was on the radio and turned the, on the radio, because of that break, the radio's range was only two miles. That's why nobody got the distress signal. The electric clocks were wired into the generator, and when the ship was found, the clocks read 1025. That made Captain Gerald believe whatever happened to the ship happened at 1025 at night. The ship's logbook and navigational equipment were all missing, as well as firearms Captain Miller kept in the boat. They also found the doctor's bag on board, and when they looked inside, they found a stethoscope, scalpel, and blood-stained bandages. Now, we'll get into theories in a little bit, but from the amount of fuel used in Juita's tanks, it was calculated she made it 243 miles before she was abandoned. That's around 50 miles from their destination. The people who discovered the listing, they believe there was a leak that probably started around 9 p.m. And even though she was partially underwater, her hull was completely fine. There was no issue with the hull itself. So when they finally brought Huita back to land, investigators found that a pipe in the raw water circuit of the engine's cooling system had failed because of corrosion. Unfortunately, that is an issue that they wouldn't have noticed until the water rose above the engine room's floor. Also the pumps didn't have strainers so clearing out the water would have been extremely difficult especially at night. So these issues were just piling on top of each other one after another. They don't know where the leak came from. They couldn't really find anywhere that would have caused a leak but there was no like the safety precautions to prevent flooding in the boat weren't working essentially and to fix the issue they would have had to not been in the middle of the sea underwater not that they're underwater but you know but before we get into all of that we are going to take a short break y'all please don't drive into the open ocean with a broken boat if you have one working engine then you need to get the second one fixed before you drive out 300 miles in the Pacific Ocean or if you have a broken oar don't go be don't go paddling you know just make sure all the equipments set yourself up for success set yourself up for success and then you'll be successful i'll be right back So a formal inquiry into the disappearance of Hoito was held in Apia, Samoa, in February 1956. They ultimately found that even though the ship was not in great shape and it had some issues, the fate of the crew and passengers was, quote, inexplicable on the evidence submitted at the inquiry, unquote. I believe that the life rafts missing would have swayed the evidence, but because Hoita was virtually unsinkable, leaving the ship generally intact, it didn't make much sense to leave it behind. Not only did Hoita have a cork lining the hull, but she was carrying tons of empty fuel drums to help with buoyancy, and they found that the flooding was due to a fractured cooling pipe and the pumps were unserviceable due to blockage, the water would have gradually flooded the lower decks, and as the boat sank lower into the water, the one remaining engine would not have enough force to steer the boat. Normally, a vessel similar to Hoita in size would have sank due to this flooding, However, she stayed afloat because of the cork and fuel drums. The inquiry also placed most of the responsibility on Captain Miller and found him reckless for going on this trip with only one working engine and minor faults. And I do have to agree, the captain should have fucking known better. Like, it's not cool that he did that. But also, this captain's missing. Why are we kicking him when he's down? Like, how about we find them first, and then we can have this little inquiry? Surprisingly, the inquiry never mentioned the use of the medical equipment found on board, including the blood-stained bandages. So because of all of this, Hoita is sometimes called the Mary Celeste of the South Pacific, which Mary Celeste was a ship that was found floating without a crew off Portugal, Both of these ships' fates have never been solved. So that's why they're probably two of the most popular ghost ships, though the next episode is probably the most popular ghost ship. But let's get into some theories Of what happened to Captain Miller and the 24 other people on board? The Hoita. So, one theory one injured captain. Captain Miller had been in charge of Hoita for a while, so he would have been well aware of her buoyancy, which has led many to believe that the captain died or became incapacitated before abandoning ship. That would explain the bloody bandages found on board, and would also explain why everyone fled from the boat. Because if he was alive or awake, he would have kept everyone on the ship for safety, knowing that it's virtually unsinkable. A close friend of Captain Miller, a man named Captain S.B. Brown, is convinced that Captain Miller would never have left Hoita alive. Now, a twist on this theory is that Captain Miller and his first mate, Chuck Simpson, they never got along and possibly got into an argument or fight which left them severely injured and or they fell overboard. That would have left the vessel without an experienced seaman which in return would make the inexperienced panic when the flooding began. I personally think a version of this theory is very plausible. I also wonder if the captain refused to get off the sinking ship, but a passenger or crew member pulled a gun or weapon on him to force him off the ship. Also, another possibility is that there was an accident and the captain was injured before the flooding began, and maybe they realized they couldn't take him with them on the life rafts because of his injuries, so they tossed him overboard. Maybe sharks were involved, maybe they did take him on the life rafts unconscious, but again, if they took an unconscious captain on a life raft, you would think the first mate would know about the build of the ship as well. I don't know, it's still... There's still some holes. Okay, theory number two, Japanese involvement. I wasn't gonna entertain this theory, except that the Fiji Times and Herald reported on this theory, and they said that the Huita passed through a fleet of Japanese fishing boats, and the crew of Huita saw something nefarious I guess implying that these Japanese fishermen tried sinking the Huita or sank the life rafts after the flooding, possibly. I still think it's far-fetched and kind of like a silly theory that the Huita saw some nefarious acts by a fisher, you know, fisherman and they decided to kill the crew because of it. I don't know. I don't know. The Daily Telegraph in London theorized that active Japanese forced from World War II were to blame for the disappearances, claiming they were operating from an isolated island nearby. I understand that there was anti-Japanese sentiment at the time because of World War II, especially in parts of the Pacific, but to suggest that they would attack some random ship for the hell of it? can't I can't get into this one. Some were looking at the past for the answers, like World War II, while others were looking toward the future. And on the flip side of Japanese fishermen being involved, some believe that the crew and passengers of Hoito were kidnapped by a Soviet submarine as the Cold War was growing. I think both options are kind of wild and out there. Theory three. Pirates. Métis. One of my favorite claims. I love a pirate claim. Not that I think most of them are real claims or real theories or plausible theories, but I love a pirate theory. I understand that modern pirates is still a thing. We all saw Captain Phillips with Tom Hanks. However, anytime someone says pirates, you don't think tank top and cargo shorts. You think of the classic pirate with the feathered hat, a huge beard, and scurvy. And if you're looking for a quick tip to cure scurvy, a whiskey sour will do the trick. Now, early reports of Hoita claimed she was in a collision and that that led people to believe she was rammed by modern pirates who then killed everyone on board, threw their bodies into the ocean and stole the four tons of cargo that was missing. I'm not convinced with this theory necessarily. I I guess if some random ship ran into your ship, you would start taking on water, of course. But the issue with this is that there would be, there were no signs of 25 deaths on the ship. Like there was no blood, there were no weapons. There was no evidence of, like, fighting back. There just wasn't anything to suggest that 25 people were murdered on Huíta and then dumped overboard. So I do think it's a bit... It's a its a reach your honor. But again, who doesn't love a pirate theory? I love a pirate theory. Theory four, sharks. So for all of you worried about sharks yes large sharks like great whites and basking sharks do live in the pacific but the most common sharks in the samoa area are the black tip and white tip reef sharks hammerhead sharks tiger sharks and whale sharks now whale sharks are not your typical shark they act more like whales than they do sharks if you want to see a whale shark, go to the Atlanta Aquarium. They have like four, I think. They're huge and gorgeous. But out of all the sharks I just listed, the only one dangerous to humans is the tiger shark. Mainly because they are one of the larger species and the fact that they will eat almost anything, alive or dead. Now, with that being said, there have only been 34 fatalities from tiger sharks ever recorded. 34 sounds like a lot, but 34 over decades or centuries, like that's not that much. If the Hoita crew and passengers were attacked by tiger sharks, that would almost double that fatality number, you know? 34 overall time, and then 25 people being murdered by tiger sharks. It just doesn't seem plausible, really. I think it's possible that if the captain died and they tossed him overboard when they were abandoning ship, I could see a tiger shark nibbling on his corpse because, you know, we all got to eat. However, I don't think 25 people were consumed by sharks. I just don't. There's the insurance fraud hypothesis. So apparently Captain Miller had a lot of debt, which, you know, who doesn't? But this would make sense. like, But with him not fixing the engine before going out to sea the thought is that he scuttled the ship on purpose for money. But nothing really indicates that the sinking was purposeful, and it's thought he would have cleared his debt with just a few more charters between Samoa and Tokelau, So people don't really think he would scuttle it on purpose, but there are some people who are like, you know, he would scuttle the ship on purpose, and then when he got back, he would get insurance money, and it would pull him out of debt. You know, a lot of pe- a lot of scams. People love a scam. But, you know, it's also a big, what if there aren't, there isn't any proof. It's just a lot of what if. Another theory is a piggyback on the injured injured captain theory. But this one starts with the ship flooding, and the captain knowing it's unsinkable, and looking to clear his debt, he just kept sailing. So it's like a twist on the insurance theory and injured captain theory. So the original theory is that captain got injured first, then the flooding started. This theory is saying, flooding started, captain got a great idea, and kept sailing into the abyss anyway. And if that was true, then possibly the first mate Simpson and other crew members would want to turn back and them wanting to turn back and the captain wanting to keep going may have led to a struggle where the captain acquired an injury. And by this time, the hoita enters bad weather. And with only one engine, it would have given out, cutting all the electrical power. And with Simpson in control of the ship, he would order to abandon ship, taking the injured injured captain with them. So that's one theory. Again, it's a lot of assuming what the first... mate would do but I still think the first mate wouldn't have abandoned ship since he would have known that the ship is virtually unsinkable but some think that the first mate saw a nearby island or reef and tried to reach it but in the bad weather the rafts were pushed farther out to sea and then flipped and people died that's the theory another theory was that the crew and passengers were kidnapped by aliens. Maybe they saw some nefarious aliens who had to abduct them. Maybe there was a mass alien abduction. Maybe they're all still alive today in a UFO somewhere. Maybe there's a Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle type situation in the Pacific as well where the Hoita disappeared while the search was going on, but reappeared six days later? Are they in another dimension? Maybe the crew found Atlantis or some lost city, and to stay there, they had to fake their own deaths. Possibly a sea monster. There's a sea creature called Tanifa in Samoan and Tokolawin that eats people, And in other Polynesian languages, the word refers to sharks. Some say it's just a man-eating shark, while others believe it's a sea monster that is misrepresented as a shark. The sea creature lives in the deep pools and rivers, dark caves, or in the sea with dangerous currents. Some cultures view them as protective guardians, while others view the creatures as dangerous and predatory, which makes sense. If a creature is protecting one group, it's attacking another. While island nations view these creatures as more shark-like, more inland Pacific islands view this creature, this sea creature, as a lizard or crocodile-style creature. And if you put it all together, it really sounds like Godzilla to me. A lizard-like creature in the ocean. And if you watch them swim from a distance, it could look like a shark swimming. Some view them as a guardian, while others are scared of them. And maybe Godzilla accidentally Bumped or flooded the Huita. Who's to say? Maybe Godzilla's fin was just a little too close to the Huita. For real, though, I do think something happened physically to the captain where he was bleeding a lot, making him unable to captain the ship. So once everyone noticed the flooding, the inexperienced crew and passengers panicked and pulled the captain onto the life rafts. It's the middle of the night, and most of them don't know where they are or where they're headed, like what direction they're headed. And if the ocean was even a little choppy, I could see the life rafts flipping or drifting too far from the search zone And not finding the life rafts is troublesome. So maybe what I believe is completely wrong. Maybe they rafted to a nearby small island and the search crew missed a flare or something and they died on the island. We will probably never know the truth. All we know is that this ghost ship appeared six days later after a massive search and uh hoita was auctioned off to a fiji islander she was fixed and set out to sea once again until january 1957 when she ran aground in the coro sea thankfully none of the 13 passengers died that trip but wait she's not done She again ran aground in November 1959. The high tide drifted Huita back out to sea, but she took on too much water. So she was purposely beached and stripped of anything important. She became a hulk or a ship that is afloat but is incapable of going to sea. She was purchased again and at this point, we are so far past her life. I truly feel for Huita, like leave this poor lady alone. Like after the disappearance, she should have retired. She should not have been passed around. The new owner of Huita wanted to turn her into a tea room, which honestly, I, it sounds really cute. A floating tea room on the docks, I would go. But the idea never came to fruition, and hoita was taken apart and sold little by little. And in 1975, Western Samoa released limited edition stamps dealing with the mystery of the hoita. And in 2009, a walkway was named after the doctor on the Huita in Auckland. In 2012, memory stones were erected in Apia and Faka'ofo. All the crew and passengers are still declared missing. So if you are ever boating in the area or find yourself on an island close by, keep a lookout for some of the people or the bones of the people or their ghosts You never know who may be wandering the area in search of something. I know there wasn't a traditional haunting this week, but I wanted to switch things up a bit and give you a ghost ship. Maybe I will do the Queen Mary at some point because that is full of ghosts. I do, however, have more work ghosts. More recent work ghost developments. So, after work, probably a week or two ago, I was in the locker room changing to go home for the night. And I was talking to one of my coworkers. There were four of us in the locker room. And suddenly, my coworker kind of gasps or like yelps in a way. And I was like, Girl, are you okay? What's up? She was like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm like, you're clearly not fine. You just <laughs> you just gasped. What's happening? And she was like, well, I feel like I just got poked in the arm. I was like, uh... she's, She said she thought it was one of the other people in the locker room who, like, poked her in the back of her arm, but there was no one close enough to poke her in the back of her arm. So... Little weird. And after she said that, one of the other people in the locker room, one of the women that works in the kitchen, said, Yeah, there's a ghost in the locker room. We've all heard something, felt something. She said she heard her name whispered in the locker room, even though no one was in the locker room about like a couple months earlier. So I'm telling you, this place is. Haunted. I don't think it's a very old building, but, you know, the lands are old and who knows what was on the land before this huge skyscraper. But only furthering the existence of a ghost at the restaurant I work at. So broken glasses, whispering, poking, anything more comes up, I'll definitely let you know. Thank you all for joining me this week. Y'all can follow haunted hometowns on social media for photos related to each episode, guest info, and upcoming news. Please don't hesitate to send me your paranormal experiences. I would love to read them on the podcast. You can even send me your moms, grandpas, coworkers, whomever's paranormal experiences, to podcast at gmail.com or dm any of the social media platforms could be anything from your dead aunt cursing a relative at christmas dinner to a skeleton falling out of your attic let me know and i will see you all after the holidays because everyone loves a ghost story The theme song is by Tyre. follow him on social media at Queer QueerPopStar, and go stream his music anywhere you stream your music, T-H-A-I-R. The artwork is by Pepe Munoz, follow him on social medias at p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z. I got my information from Diving Info, Wikipedia, Joita Solving the Mystery by David Wright, and Ghost Ships by Angus Cornstam, as well as IMDB.